We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Boomer bust. Guys that can make or break your fantasy league this year. Nick William and I are going to be talking about a certain select group of players at each uh, major fantasy skill position. Coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We're brought to you by Circa and Fantrax. Happy to uh, do another edition of the Monday Football Podcast, and we're going to do a little unique version. We're going to be less uh, emphasis on the news. We have one news item to talk about, but we're going to kind of talk about a certain class of players, the boomer bust players that can make your fantasy football league. Nick Whalen, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jeff. I'm doing very well. Uh, you mentioned that you know Circa is one of the presenting sponsors of this pod. Just locked in my flights uh, for our trip out to Circa later this month. Always, always love being out there. Uh, they've been so hospitable to us over the last couple of years. We'll be doing some live radio out there, so make sure you check that out over on SiriusXM. But uh, you're, you're right. I mean, normally we come back from a long weekend. And we have all these news items to hit. I know we're going to talk about Alvin Kamara. We finally, after like two and a half years, uh, have, have some, some clarity on that suspension, how many games he's going to miss. But other than that, you know, we, we've avoided like any catastrophic injuries over the weekend, right? We, we emerged from the Hall of Fame game with mostly healthy. I think teams are kind of gearing up now, seeing a lot of shorter practices this week with the preseason coming up uh, this weekend. But uh, let, let's get into Kamara and then we'll talk about some of our boomer bus guys. Yeah, let's do that. So, you know, Kamara had a very productive meeting with Roger Goodell and walked away with a three game suspension. I know. Many people thought that he'd get four. Some thought as, as little as two, some as many as six. I, I personally, when I was setting my rankings, I had him as four. So this is a little bit of a, a, a modest bump for him. Now, I, th- I still think there are some other issues involved with him that make him still a boomer bust candidate. But, you know, this if you've already drafted Kamara and you got him as wide receiver, thir- I mean, running back 35, running back 32, something like that, Congratulations. You probably got an extra game that you weren't necessarily going to, you know, paying the price to get. Yeah, I I think you're right that most people were kind of in that four game range. And, you know, when you're putting out a set of rankings like your your top 150 that you update weekly at Rotowire, it's like you you don't want to be overly aggressive with a situation like this. Like you don't want to be the one guy who has Alvin Kamara like two rounds higher than everybody else when you're Mm -hmm. ultimately just guessing at, at the length of a suspension. Uh, but yeah, so if you were planning on four games, you know, you, you shave off one of those. That means he will sit week one against the Titans, week two against the Panthers, and week three against the Packers. You know, come back uh, against Tampa Bay, and you know, as long as he stays healthy, uh, should have a chance to to, to play you know fourteen games. I, I think this is not quite best case scenario for the Saints, but it's close. You know, I, I thought there was a chance with the the plea, you know, down from a felony to a misdemeanor, the chance to meet with Roger Goodell, that this could maybe be a one or a two game suspension. Uh, but ultimately three games, I, I think you're fine with that. If you're the saints, you, you feel like you could survive a, a few weeks without Alvin Kamara. And, you know, it's still really early. This ruling came down over the weekend. We've only had about 20 drafts or so go off since then in the NFFC, but we're already seeing him go on average about eight or nine spots higher. Yeah, we are. Uh, so on, on the, on the field itself, this is going to be uh, his age 28 season turns uh yeah, it's a turn 28 in July already. So this is, this is kind of uh, the point in time where a lot of uh, running backs kind of have a little bit of a downturn. 
we saw a little bit of a drop in his receiving distance, uh, you know, which was excellent, actually, you know, 8.6 yards per catch last last year, but still down from 9.3, 9.1 the years before. Uh, targets, you know, two years running have been kind of low, 67 and 77, respectively. Mm-hmm. We know uh, you're missing those three games. Uh, he, he missed some games each of the last couple of years. Uh, what are your thoughts on him just on, on his merit, on his standalone merit? In terms of Alvin Kamara, the player, I still really like him. I'm not too worried about a physical fall off. You know, there's been some reports out of Saints camp that, you know, when he's been on the field, he's looked like himself. He's looked really explosive. Um, and, and, you know, it, we're, we're only talking about missing three games here, but he's going to come in fresh, right? I mean, that's three games that everybody else is going to be banged up. Uh, and he'll, he'll get a little bit of a late start. But, you know, in theory, maybe that allows him to, uh, you know, kind of be healthier as the season goes along. I'm more worried about the targets, like you mentioned. I, I think he's yeah. still the same guy when he gets the ball, but – you know, you could basically draw a line and say, okay, here's when Drew Brees was the quarterback and here's what's happened since. Right. And I, I think, you know, we, we kind of make fun of Drew Brees for, for the way that he played at the end of his career. And it was, it was still pretty effective, but he just couldn't throw the ball downfield. I, I think, you know, one of the big side effects of that was it, it really benefited Alvin Kamara earlier in his career. Right. I mean, he was the right. perfect guy to just stand there and take these dump offs from Drew Brees. And now that they're running like an actual NFL offense, we're seeing that regress a little bit. So I, I still think he's capable of being that guy. I just, I don't know that we're ever going to get back to the days, you know, where he's being targeted a hundred, 110 times, because that's just not how this team or any team really wants to play offense. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I might not be in on the price, especially if it goes any higher than RB 30, where he's already going. Uh, I, I, for the reasons that, you know, the reasons we talked about, I, I you know, you're not going to get goal line carries. Jamal Williams is there. That's what he does. That's they brought him in just for that. I think he's a better version of Mark Ingram, at least Mark Ingram 2.0, the one that they had last couple of years. Uh, But uh, I I think he's a real threat and they drafted Kendry Miller as well. I I just, I I think I'd rather have some of the other guys around him. I'd rather have Antonio Gibson. I'd rather have Isaiah Pacheco. I'd rather have, uh, you know, a couple other running backs, uh, you know, even some that go after him. I think I might actually have Rashad Penny. Now. I know that might be heresy, but um, better off where I'm at. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I'm with you on Pacheco. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara is kind of going in that same zone as Gibson. Like you mentioned, AJ Dillon, Brian Robinson, Samaje P Ryan. Like I still like him over those guys. I, I think he's still, you know, clearly the number one running back. Now the, the Jamal Williams edition, that's, that's concerning because like you said, Alvin Kamara was already not getting goal line carries. And now you bring in like arguably the best goal line specialist in the entire league. So uh, you know, at, at that point, then you're really depending on, on some of those targets in the passing game coming around because I, the days of Alvin Kamara rushing for 14, 16 touchdowns, like he's done in the past. I, I don't think that's really realistic, uh, but at the same time, he has six total rushing touchdowns over the last two years. That's almost 30 games. So I, I think he can meet in the middle. Like if he can give you, if he could give you, you know, 900 rushing yards, 500 receiving yards and 10 total touchdowns. I, I think that's a, a, a big time season for from Alvin Kamara, given where he's at right now and everything that's gone on. Yeah. I, I just, I question the touchdowns. I really do. Okay. Um, yeah. Fair. And fair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he had four total last year. That, that's the thing right. is I, we're, we're, I, I just, I, I know we're not just basing everything on last year. We know we look at what he could do, but uh, that's a, well, that's why he's a boomer bust player. And that's the whole concept of today's show is guys that could, really you know come through for us or really can sink us you know there's not they're not steady eddie guys we don't look at them as floor guys we look at them as guys that have high ceilings and shaky floors yeah and, and a couple of notes on methodology before we get in uh to our guys we we each did one quarterback two running backs two receivers and a tight end uh we got a, a bunch of honorable mentions who i'm sure we'll hit on as well but uh you know I, I, you're kind of taking bust into context or boom i guess into context as well based on adp so you know some of these names are guys that could be going in you know, the top 30, top 40 picks. And when we say bust, we don't mean that they just have like a disaster season and give you no value. It's like you're, you're busting relative to ADP or you're booming relative to ADP. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. And then for me personally, Jeff, I, I did my best to avoid injury, uh, right. you know, boom, bust guys, but it, it's tough. I mean, in the NFL, that's such a big part of uh, you know, what causes a boom or bust season. So uh, you know, I tried to work around it in some ways, but there, there are a couple of guys on this list and I feel like we just have to mention and, and injuries are a big part of it. Yep, absolutely. And let's jump right into that quarterback. This is one of those guys, uh, your guy here to a uh, t- t- tug of Iloa. 
Yeah, yeah. I considered Deshaun Watson here. I considered Anthony Richardson, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford. I think there's a handful of, of quarterbacks really that you could choose from. Uh, even Brock Purdy uh, deserves a mention here. But I think it has to be Tua. And this was almost kind of a free space for me. I mean, we saw the the stark contrast of what this offense was when Tua was in there and when he was not. And, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of trickle down here, too, where, you know, if Tua suffers another concussion earlier in the season – and all of a sudden he misses three or four games, you know, it, not only is that going to, to bust for his own fantasy value, but it affects Tyree kill. It affects yeah. Jalen Waddle. It affects that entire offense. Um, and I, I, I haven't been getting a lot of Tua. I, I, I like what I've seen from him. I've kind of had to do a 180. I really never thought he would even get to this level in the NFL. I was just not a huge fan. Um, but, you know, we, we spoke with, with Mike Sando from the athletic last week, Jeff. And, you know, the one criticism that everybody keeps coming back to with Tua is, all right, put the health thing aside. When he's out there, it, you know, everything almost has to be scripted for him. And if it's not, uh, you know, then they can run into some issues. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we've seen that happen at times for him, you know, and we're, you're really taking away the running game from him now. You know, they're, they're going to do everything they can to make sure he gets rid of the ball. They don't want him to scramble. They don't want to have design runs for him anymore. So that that's one avenue of value that's taken away from him. A hundred percent. I mean, they can't afford to let him run at all. I, I think that's something that we have to keep in mind. And, you know, everybody, you kind of have to dance around this topic just, just because of the, it's how it's handled. But I mean, he's legitimately like one real concussion away from potentially not being able to play football anymore. You know, that is, you know, I don't even, you know, with most quarterbacks, if you get a concussion, you're like, Oh, maybe he'll miss a week or two. I mean, it's, it's a, a whole different level for Tua. So I, I think that's something that you have to keep in mind here. I mean, he's going to inevitably take hits over the course of the season. We saw it happen three, four times, Last year, I mean, they, they absolutely need to find a way to, to do more than any other team in the league to insulate him and, and keep him upright. ADP in the NFFC is QB 10. Uh, that roughly puts you, that's uh, a teardrop. You know, it, it's kind of in, in his own tier. Like Deshaun Watson's QB 9, and he's at around picks in, in the month of August. He's picked 76. Two is picked 94. Dax, uh, the next behind him, is 104. So he's basically in, in his own round. Yeah, he is. And I, I think that's fair because it, you know, there's a lot of polarization around Tua, right? I, I think you, you have your believers, you have your skeptics, you have people like me that are just kind of worried about the injury situation and, and staying away for the most part. And that, that does create a gap in ADP. I mean, I, I would still rather have Dak Prescott than Tua. I, I think there's probably a higher ceiling with Tua just because of how explosive this offense could be, how quickly they could put up a, a ton of points. So I, I get it. Um, but you know, I mean, Tua was not a top 10 quarterback in terms of average fantasy points in most formats last season. So, um, if you think there's another step to go up, okay. I, I understand that argument, but I think if I, if you're Miami, it's like, you're not even that concerned with Tua improving as a quarterback. I think he showed he was good enough for this offense last year. You're just concerned about it, keeping him upright. And, um, as you can probably tell, I, I just, I, I'm not super optimistic that he plays 17 games. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. Uh, the other boomer bust quarterback that we're going to talk about is is essentially a free square. Everybody knows that Anthony Richardson of the Colts is a boom or a bust candidate. Great runner. Maybe, you know, he could be a top five running quarterback like immediately from day one. He also could be a benched quarterback. He might not even start over Gardner Minshew. Now, I've seen all the reports. He's getting the first team reps and all that. But Minshew is worked with the Colts head coach before in the past. So you've got that as, as a one factor, you know, what well, it was a year ago that people were clamoring for Minshew to get a, a look at possibly starting. Yeah. Of course, that's kind of a joke now, but uh, because Jalen hurts was so awesome, but there was this like, Oh, if he could only be on the right team, he could, he should be a starter in this league as he drives his 1975 Pinto that he lives out of or whatever. But um, yeah, he's creating his own narrative there. Good. Good, clean fun. But nonetheless, Richardson, you know, poor footwork on his passing. Short passes have been a problem. But, man, what a running upside. It, it People salivate over that rushing upside. Yeah, I mean, my question is, assuming he starts, maybe it's not even week one. I, I can't imagine he's not starting by, like, week three or four at the latest. And my guess is he probably starts week one, uh, yeah. given who the owner is and how much influence he's had on, on football decisions. I mean, can he truly bust if he has that high of a rushing floor right i mean i i think there's the boom is you know uh, astronomical especially long term you know probably not his rookie year but in terms of what he could be two three four years down the road but if he's starting 16 17 games i mean i, I feel like there's going to be a baseline maybe not even of rushing yardage but 
this is the type of guy, you know, frame wise who can, you know, kind of bully you inside the five yard line. Uh, you know, maybe not quite to the level of, of like a Jalen Hurts where you're basically just using him on QB dives uh, whenever you're at the two yard line. But I think he's going to be a big time weapon in the red zone. So I, to me, he actually has like a, a decent amount of, of variance here where like he could he could really struggle for the most part as a passer. But if he's doing enough as a runner and he's going off the board as like QB 16 to 18, um, I, I think just the rushing potential alone is going to give him a pretty nice floor as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think a, a rushing quarterback can bust. Justin Fields busted in his yeah. rookie year. I mean, I, I, I just, I want year two of Anthony Richardson. I don't want year one. I think that's kind of been my construction. He's getting priced accordingly in the NFFC where you have six points for a passing right. touchdown where he's QB 17. Okay. That's fine. I mean, you're not starting, but uh, I don't love carrying a backup quarterback either. That's another thing I, you know, I'd like, if I'm going to be drafting one of the, the top six quarterbacks, I'm probably not going to draft a backup. Now that might be to my consternation with Joe Burrow, as we've seen right now. But I, I kind of of the mindset that that's not a spot I want to be carrying. Now, if it's Kirk Cousins and Anthony Richardson, I think that's a more viable combo. You know, where sure. like, okay, you've got the safe guy or you're playing the matchups early and you're hoping Richardson just really breaks out and then you have two two great guys. But uh, th- I think that's, that's, a, that's another thing. I also like Richardson better in a single QB environment than a super flex environment where you have to start him every single week. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. And I, I think he made a really good point. Uh, that you, you kind of want to wait, obviously in a redraft league, you know, for that year to break out. If you're in a dynasty league, you know, you, you got to make that pick this year and, and kind of, you know, uh, pin your hope to that upside. But uh, like, realistically, like how, how great of a rookie year would he have to have for you to be like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I passed on Anthony Richardson as my second quarterback on the bench. You know, it's like, there's just, I, I think in a redraft league, it's like, if you, if you wait on quarterback and, and somehow Anthony Richardson is the guy that you're, you're pinning your hopes to, and he has a, a great rookie year, that's a win for you, but he's not going to finish as like a top five quarterback, right? Like I, I just, I don't think there's enough upside here uh, to, to make you really have like FOMO if you miss out on him. And you, I, I think people are dreaming on Cam Newton or Robert RG three in their rookie years. Uh, their season. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I that's the dream on, um, but I think more realistic is like Lamar in his rookie year where he shows some signs late in the year sure. or whatever like that. Um, I'm trying to think of other rookie, like, you know, speed quarterbacks that, you know, that fit that mold uh, for the most part, you know, it, it takes a while. I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard position to learn in your rookie year. And, and let alone when someone, you know, Richardson's case where he doesn't have a whole lot of collegiate experience either. I think that's the other thing. The big takeaway is, yeah. you know, he doesn't have that, that many reps period. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think the, the Cam Newton, RG three, those are the guys you're going to point to that. That makes total sense. Um, but you know, those, those guys to me were much safer prospects. Uh, you know, obviously we, we had seen them do a whole lot more at the college level. I think they were more NFL ready there. There, there weren't these like, you know, just massive swings in terms of you're either in or out on him. Like you are, uh, with Anthony Richardson. So yeah, I I think you only have a handful of guys who you could even compare to Anthony Richardson physically, which is a compliment to him. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't think he's in the right situation to to have a a massive rookie year. And I, I don't know that the Colts, I mean, obviously they want that, but I don't think that's the goal. It's not like get Anthony Richardson as many yards as we can. It's, you know, this is still a, a very much a developmental, you know, bring them along. There's no real expectations type of year for the Colts and for Richardson. Absolutely. All of our podcasts are brought to you by the, on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, we are happy to be there. As a consequence, here are a couple of their ads. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Thanks for your indulgence. Uh, let's move on to running back. Uh, boomer bust. Who is your boomer bust number one boomer bust running back? I'm going to start with DeAndre Swift uh, in Philly. And, you know, I, you were going with somebody who is being drafted around pick 70 right now uh, in the NFFC. So, you know, bust for him is, you know, really low upside. He, he gets injured again. Um, and I, I just, I don't necessarily trust that the workload is going to be there uh, for a guy who, who has injury concerns separately. And like I said, we're trying to kind of stay away from that as the reason that somebody could boom or bust, but Yes, he's in what might be the best rushing offense in the league, a rushing offense that I believe had 32 touchdowns on the ground last season. But we know a bunch of those are going to end up in the hands of Jalen Hurts. You have Rashad Penny uh, to do some work in the red zone. You still have Kenneth Gainwell, who every single year finds ways to make an impact. Boston Scott always has like two or three games per year. He's still on this roster. Like, I I don't know that the Eagles are all that interested in having a designated number one running back. I, I think they love having this rotation. And I I think this is a great spot for DeAndre Swift to land in terms of being on a good team, being part of a great system, a team that I think might be the best in the NFC and and has a case to be the best in the NFL. But fantasy wise, I'm not in love with this landing spot. I'm not either. Uh, I I don't see a scenario where he's ends up as one of the top 12 running backs. Uh, I, I guess, I guess, I guess there is, you know, Penny gets hurt. Oops. I guess that happens all the time. Uh, but Swift gets hurt all the time too. That's that's the other thing. And I don't think Philly wants a single back. They want multiple backs to contribute every single game. And that's why I have a hard time, you know, clicking on him anything earlier than, you know, RB. Well, you know, RB26 is fine where he's going. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, but he has partisans that push him up around the, you know, his min pick area is like RB17, something like that. Like I would I'd be hard pressed to take him over Joe Mixon. I really would. I, I can't think uh, of, you know, I'm just, and that's not a Bengals thing. That's a just workhorse knowing he's the guy thing. I think I'd take Kenneth Walker, although we're going to watch this watch out for his groin injury. You know, it, it, this is a nebulous area of running backs, by the way. I mean, it, you know, look at the, the backs between like Mixon, who I think is like the last like workhorse guy that we know is going to get. So like Kenneth Walker, Javante Williams, Miles Sanders, Cam Akers, Damian Pierce, Alexander Madison, Dobbins, Rashad White, James Cook, and then Swift. I mean, there's question marks with every single one of these guys. Yeah, no question about it. And I, I feel like I gave the the bust case for DeAndre Swift more than the boom. And you know, these yeah. are these are boom or, or bust guys. And look, I mean, the the other side of this is okay. The Eagles make a concerted effort to pull back on Jalen Hurts taking hits in the regular season. They they reduce his usage the red zone. They hand the ball off to DeAndre Swift. Uh, we've seen the upside with him, right? I mean, week one last year, 15 for 144 in a touchdown, you know, kind of felt like he immediately rewarded everybody who pushed him up draft boards. And then, you know, he gets hurt in, in week three, never really felt like he was himself the rest of the way. Jamal Williams had established himself at that point. Uh, but even if you go back to, you know, how he started the 2021 season, I mean, first, what, seven, eight games of the year, uh, you know, he's running the ball well, he's catching a ton of passes 
out of the backfield, uh, you know, almost nine yards per reception. He's hauling in, you know, five, six, seven, eight catches every single week. So, you know, obviously Philly liked him for a reason. They brought him in for a reason. I think they, they believe that they can kind of recapture the player that he was to begin that 2021 season. So even though I might not believe it, uh, I think there is, there is still a boom case here. And, and a lot of it just comes back to, he's in a really productive offense. That's going to score a ton of points. Yeah, that, that's, that's a compelling argument for sure. All right. I was a little bit of negative Nancy on Anthony Richardson. I'm here to make the case for Travis ETN uh, RB okay. 13 right now, 40th overall in the NFFC. I keep hearing all this stuff about tank Bigsby, you know, the ill named tank tank Bigsby. Not, he does not look like a tank guys. Um, and you know, you'll be sorry if you draft ETN you'll, and I think he's an easy click in the fourth round. I, I think he's a tremendously easy click. And as a matter of fact, Last year essentially was his rookie year coming back from missing his rookie year with list Frank, the list Frank injury. He had the high profile drop and fumble in week one. He did struggle with some, some fumbles. Yes. And I'm, these are not positive points. I'm going to get there. Don't worry. Uh, in terms of making the case, I think he's got extreme big playability. You know, I, you know, even with all of his issues, he averaged five yards a carry last year. Uh, you got an improved offensive line. You've got a team that is just brimming with confidence now. You hear all these positive reports that he's improved his pass pro, which I think is the one thing that kept him off the field on third down a little bit last year. I think he is a three down back, maybe not at the same like like volume level as some of the others above him, but I think you're getting plenty of a discount for that. Uh, I, I think that I think Travis Etienne is one of those guys that could be like a top five running back, uh, and he's never going to cost you that much. I think there's a receiving upside that is unrealized at this point in time. We know he's got the chemistry at the quarterback. That is not a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, the, these are things that I'm not worried about a little bit. Maybe you're worried a little bit about volume because they, uh, they improve their wide receiver core. Uh, I'm not that concerned. They still are going to do that. Last year, with the playoffs on, a game on the line, who got the ball? ETN. Gutsy, gutsy play call, and they, they trusted ETN to make the play. He did make the play. Game over. They win the game. I, I think that I think things are I think their confidence in him is sky high right now. Um, and I'm on board with ETN at that price. Yeah, it's hard to find anybody saying anything negative about the Jaguars right now. It's like everybody's rising up draft boards. Calvin really looks like the best receiver in the league. Trevor Lawrence has added seven pounds of muscle. I just read this morning. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's very easy to get swept up in Jags optimism. Uh, you know, my favorite thing that you said there was, you know, the, the potential concern about targets for Travis Etienne and you know everybody's saying the right things as far as oh we got to get him more involved in the passing game we, we you know we, we know that's part of his skill set I, I just think like it, it can't be any worse than last year right I mean that was right. that's the baseline for me and if, if more of those targets are going to Calvin Ridley then I think you could basically lock in what Travis Etienne did on the ground last season which or uh, through the air last season excuse me which wasn't wasn't great but it wasn't a, you're not taking a zero there either I mean 35 catches over 300 yards uh, should have had like two or three touchdowns, you know, due to drops and fumbles that that didn't end up happening. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you. I'm more on the, the boom side of ETN. I don't, I don't know if he can get to top five running back. I think he would need some help in terms of some other guys getting injured because I, I do think this is going to be a pass first offense. That's kind of how, when the Jags took off in the second half of the year, you know, they just started putting the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands and, and a lot of good things began to happen. I know Doug Peterson, though, last week said he, you know, ETN could easily have a 1,600 or 1,700 yard season. We'll see about that. I, I don't know if the offensive line uh, is good enough for that to happen either. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, we need to see it a little bit longer, I think, in Jacksonville to officially put them in this category. But, you know, a lot of the things we just said about DeAndre Swift, it's like good back in what should be a really productive offense in a bad division. Uh, there, there's a, a reasonably high floor, I think, for just about every key player in this Jags offense, just because I think they're going to score a ton of points. They are. Um, so he, he, he's a boomer bust guy. Cause I mean, I do see a downside too. I mean, tanks, yeah. tank Bigsby could be a tank. He could take over third downs. If, if ETN drops his first pass, or if he misses on a pass block early on and, and Lawrence gets crushed. Yeah. That's going to cause him some time. But I mean, I think that risk is ever present with every running back out there. So I I'm, I think that can be overplayed. I have no problem with ETN at price and even slightly above. I, I, I think he's, if you go receiver, receiver to start, for instance, I'm happy with ETN being my number one running back in that third round. Let's just put it that way. Um, Brees Hall, what do you say about him as a possible boomer bust candidate? Yeah, I mean, I, I this one's injury related. You know, I try to avoid that as much as you can, but uh, I, I just, 
I think there's a, a serious boom potential with mm-hmm. uh, with Brees Hall. That, that, that's why he's on the list for me is that I think if this breaks right and he is healthy and he's back for week one and he looks like himself, uh, you know, it's really easy to forget, you know, how, how, how much he was rounding into form before that injury last season. I mean, he had had like three and a half dominant games before tearing that ACL. And then, you know, the jet season goes sideways. Uh, obviously the entire off season is about Aaron Rodgers, And there's just, there really hasn't been any Brees Hall talk. Like I think we need to issue uh, a general reminder to everyone who watches football of like how good this guy looked before the injury. So, you know, for the most part, I've been approaching him with caution. I, I feel like he's, he's being overdrafted in some leagues. He's settled in around pick 40 to 45. He's going right around the Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon zone. Um, yeah, I, I would rather have the known healthy commodities of that group than Brees Hall. But I'm also yep. willing to say that of that four, I mean, Brees Hall, if he's healthy and stays healthy, could easily have the best season. Yeah, they could. They they, they very well could. Uh, the the I think the uh, elephant in the room is: Do the Jets sign another running back? Do they sign Dalvin yes. Cook? Do they sign uh, Zeke? God no. Um, I can't see Zeke actually fitting with that team. Do they sign Fournette? Uh, I, there, there's a lot of buzz about Dalvin Cook to the Jets. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Well, that plays into the bus side of it too, right? I mean, especially yep. if you've been drafting in June, July, uh, into early August, our favorite month, uh, you know, that that's something that you, you probably weren't thinking about all that much if your draft went off on, you know, July 3rd. And, you know, now you could, you could kind of build that in, but a, a lot of people are drafting earlier and earlier. So uh, obviously if, if they add someone, especially if they add Dalvin Cook, um, and even Fournette to a lesser degree, because he's, he's just one of those guys that just always, always finds a way to make an impact. He's not just going to be sitting there getting four carries a game. Uh, if they bring in somebody else, then that, you know, injury aside, I think that's where you can see Brees Hall end up being a bust based on where a lot of people have already drafted him. For sure. Um, spent some time talking Dalvin Cook. What about his brother, James Cook in Buffalo? That's my other boomer bust guy. Uh, okay. A lot of positive buzz about James Cook in camp. Ken Dorsey, uh, offensive coordinator, saying he could be a three down back. You got to work, you know, obviously anything people say in August, our favorite month, as you alluded to, uh, is something that, uh, something you have to dismiss a little bit there. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of fluff talk for lack of a better term. Uh, but I, I like James Cook's skills. I, I know he, you know, he got off to a bumpy start last year, but you look at him at the you know, second half of the season, he, he was the primary guy over Devin Singletary more often, than not, which is why they let Singletary go. Of course, the fly in the ointment is that they did turn around and sign Damian Harris. And that is a, that is problematic, but I don't view Harris as a pass catching threat at all. Um, I think if you're looking and I, I think when you're looking at quarter at running backs in this range, RB 25, you know, sixth, seventh round, when you're doing things like zero or hero running back, James cook is exactly the type of running back that I'm targeting, uh, for that sixth, seventh round running back. Yeah. If you're looking for, you know, pretty immense upside in that range, uh, he's the guy, he's the guy, right? I mean, everybody yeah. else has a, a pretty major caveat, you know, whether it's Deandre Swift being in a four back system or you know james connor just being in a really bad offense david montgomery's in that zone as well i mean he could very well end up being the backup to jameer gibbs camara's suspended pacheco uh you know not really a pass catcher so yeah every every other back i I think you could say you you can make a case for why they could have a great season but you're always going to say yeah all right best case you know he's probably borderline top 20 i mean i I think james cook being in this buffalo offense uh, has a, a much, much higher ceiling. And, you know, the, the Damian Harris addition does worry me. I, I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. But you alluded to the pass catching with James Cook. I mean, he had two games last season as the backup running back where he had more catches in any game that, that Travis Etienne did last yeah. year, right? I mean, they had that big one against New England, six for 41 in that game to me. That's that's really intriguing. And, uh, you know, obviously we think of Buffalo as one of the best offenses in the league. They were, they were fourth in scoring last year. Probably would have finished second had they actually played – 17 games uh you know they're right near the lead league in rushing yards right near the nfl lead in rushing touchdowns yards per attempt and a lot of that is josh allen but you know same thing we said about billy at some point buffalo is going to want to to reduce the amount of hits that josh allen takes i mean he was banged up for half of last season uh because he's putting his body out there and i I think he's further along he's further along in that timeline to me than jalen hurts is right you know usually you get three four years of kind of playing like yourself before the coaches try to rein it in like I think this is the year that they could really start to, to be more cautious with Josh Allen and the player that he is like, you're, you're never really going to be able to fully calm him down. Like I, I just, I think that's just, that's what makes him him. Uh, but you know, I, I think 
they're going to try to limit that as much as they can. And I think part of that is giving more of those, you know, between the tackle bruising type of runs to James Cook. I think you're right about that. I, I do think Harris takes some of the bruising runs. Um, and yeah. that's, that isn't necessarily a drag on Cook's value. The one thing is the, the, the drag, though, is the goal line. Obviously, that's one thing that we were talking about that with Camara. I mean, Cook may not get a goal line carry all year unless it's like a hurry up offense sort of thing. Uh, that that's the scenario. And good good for us is that the Bills do run a lot of hurry up there, so that he could be on the field like that. But you know that that is the downside. That is uh, that. And what if Harris just catches fire with a new team, and all of a sudden that's it, and then Cook is buried. So yeah. that that's the bust a- angle on that there. But he he, I got positive eyes for James Cook. I'm gonna ha- I've had him already in a couple leagues. I can. Yeah. I think I'll continue to draft him in some places. Yeah, I mean, the bus side with him is just not – it's just not that low, I guess, right? Because, I mean, if, if you're going off the board as the RB30, RB31, it's like, okay, you're, you, most teams are not staked uh, to, to whether or not James Cook has a breakout year, right? So I, right. I, I view him as like – he's like 80-20 boom bust for me. Right on. Uh, I'm in the same range for me too. Get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever – with 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home $100,000 booby prize. With quarterly, quarterly and full season payouts, $6 million is guaranteed. You can also join Circa Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20 and zero or be the last person standing to win it all. $8 million guaranteed. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit circusports.com for details. We're talking boom or bust right now on the Rotowire podcast. Uh, Nick, let's talk about your first boom or bust wide receiver. Yeah, I'll mention both of them right away and, you know, list off receiver. We could, we could talk about 30 guys here, uh, but I, I settled on Jerry Judy and Christian Watson uh, as the two guys that I really want to talk about. I'll say I gave heavy consideration to Debo Samuel, uh, Elijah Moore. I looked at that too. Yeah. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Those guys are kind of tethered at the hip for me. Uh, Devontae Adams, Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle and Amon Ross St. Brown. Those were, those were kind of the big ones that came to mind. Uh, but I, I settled on Judy. We'll, we'll go with him first. You know, I, I actually was kind of surprised when I went back and, you know, watched a lot of clips from Jerry Judy last year, dug in on the numbers. He, he had a better second half than I remembered. You know, I think I just kind of got swept up in everything that was going on with the Broncos. And, you know, he actually closed the season pretty well, developed some chemistry with Russell Wilson as he you know started to play a little bit better prior to that, that late season concussion. Uh, you know, obviously he will be, to me, the number one beneficiary if you're a believer that Russell Wilson is going to get this thing turned around under Sean Payton. So, you know, part of it to me is almost like it's almost out of Jerry Judy's hands, whether this is boom or bust, it's kind of all up to Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And honestly, I, I could see this going either way, right? We, we saw the downside of this Broncos offense last year. We know that Russell Wilson is a much better quarterback than he showed last year. We know that Sean Payton is a Super Bowl caliber coach. So you could, you could really talk me into either of the extremes here. Um, I, I guess I don't really see Denver just settling in as like an okay offense. Like I, I feel like Sean Payton's either going to get this thing turned around and they're going to be pretty good or it's going to look a lot like last year. So I think he's the, the perfect boomer bust receiver. Agreed. Uh, got him in a dynasty league where I'm thinking this is like, I've been waiting for that payoff and you you're right about the second half. Remember Wilson had a game against the chiefs where he was like old school, Russell Wilson running around like crazy, but then he got a concussion and this is why he doesn't run around like crazy anymore also, but it, it you could see like a little glimpse of, okay, this is what could be. And Judy had, mm-hmm. Judy had some big plays and you don't always think of Jerry Judy as a big play guy, but he, he has, he's had those in the past. Yeah. I think this is, this is kind of a big year for him too. This is a kind of a prove it year for him. And in, in addition to the rest of the Broncos, um, mm-hmm. I was talking with Alan Soslowski about Christian Watson earlier for a little, uh, short, uh, that we were doing wide receiver short video that we were doing and Watson. I mean, yeah, obviously we've seen the huge potential, the big plays that Watson has. He can take a slant like he did against Philly and make and Jordan Love look good. Maybe Jordan Love will be good. Who knows? You know, we just, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of data to go off of there. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of had the same seats his parents did in Kansas City and trying to watch what's going on with that. But uh, Christian Watson, you know, he could, you know, can I think Love could support him having wide receiver two, even like bottom end wide receiver one upside. 
Yeah, no question. No question. And you know, I, I still have more questions about Christian Watson, the player, uh, I guess, you know, kind of untethering him from uh, Jordan Love. Like to me, that's not that's not necessarily that big of a concern. I mean, some of the some of the most memorable plays Christian Watson had last year were with Jordan Love you know, taking over in that Philly game. And yeah, I think you have to remember, like as, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, you know, to, to me, he's one of the three best quarterbacks of all time. He did not have a three best quarterbacks of all time season last year. Uh, when Christian Watson made his debut, right? I mean, Watson had yep. that just catastrophic drop week one against Minnesota and was basically exiled from the offense until like week nine or week 10. I think it was against Dallas when he had that big breakout game uh, around Thanksgiving. So like he technically he's coming into his second year, but it almost felt like he wasn't even on this roster for half the season. He was banged up. He was kind of dealing with some soft tissue injuries. And, you know, they, the, the highs were extremely high, right? I mean, the, the Packers have not had a, a big play Hail Mary, you know, type of receiver like this in a long time. They've, they've kind of leaned a lot more heavily toward the possession style of receivers that, that Aaron Rodgers trusts, you know, fitting balls into windows. Like they've, they've never had this like straight line, uh, you know, deep ball guy or somebody that you're running across the field on a reverse and he's taking it, you know, 60 yards for a touchdown. Right. Uh, so in terms of just the pure player, like he's just a boom or bust guy. Like it feels like everything's either a touchdown or, you know, a two yard loss or a drop. You know, it's a, every single play almost feels boom or bust for Christian Watson. So, yeah, I mean, if, if Jordan Love is is an average quarterback and, you know, is, is like the 20th best quarterback in the league, then I think Christian Watson has a really good year and the Packers probably have a chance to win eight or nine games and maybe sneak in as a wild card. If Jordan Love is bad, if he looks overwhelmed, if he's just kind of robotic out there, then I, I think Christian Watson is really, really going to suffer. Yeah. You know, and I don't have a whole lot of Watson yet, but that's also because I have like a couple preferences in the same range. Like I prefer Terry McLaurin and DJ Moore. Uh, but I'll say this, I'd rather have Watson at his price and Keenan Allen at his, uh, which is about 10 picks difference. I'd rather sure. have, I'd rather have Watson than D hop. I'd rather have Watson than Drake London, two wide receivers that are going above him right now. Um, I, I just I just think he's he's just a very intriguing guy, and I'm not quite sure what what value he what value exactly to put on him, but he there's like I can say I can see cases for and against him, and I guess that's the kind of the point of this whole exercise. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how much they get him involved. Uh, I was gonna make like a Debo comp, and they're, they're such different players. I mean, he doesn't run yeah. through tackles the way Debo does. It's not not somebody that you want like carrying the ball per se. But I mean, they they started using those those jet sweeps like routinely later yeah. in the year. That's not something the Packers have ever really done. I don't think Rodgers really loved it, uh, but it became one of their most effective plays. And, you know, if, if this offense struggles under Jordan Love, you know, how much do they try to get him involved as this gadgety guy, try to break off some big plays? Um, you know, that, that's going to be interesting to monitor. Watson versus DJ Moore to me is interesting. Why, why do you lean DJ Moore? Stability. I, I just think that you're talking about a guy that I know is going to get a pretty decently high volume. Uh, I think, I just think he's a very good player. Um, and I, I'm Watson. I mean, Watson could ha, has the higher ceiling, I think, but maybe not. I mean, I maybe so. Fields takes another step forward. I mean, we know about as little of Jordan Love the passer as we do Justin Fields the passer. I mean, I think that that's the that's the tricky part about yeah. this whole equation. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. Who are who are the receivers on your list? Okay, so mine are a little lower, uh, and they're diametrically opposite of each other. One is returning from an injury veteran who's done it before, and one's a, a young guy. That hasn't quite done it yet, although he also is kind of he he was injured last year. And that those two players are Michael Thomas and Jamison Williams. I mean, we're talking you know older and old and new. Uh, Michael Thomas, wide receiver, forty seven on the in the NFFC, ninety eight overall. Williams, wide receiver, forty nine, one hundred five overall. These these are the uh, in the month of August. Uh, so you're looking at two guys that are kind of completely different. But let's start with uh, Williams. I, I Williams, man. He's going to miss six games. We know this, and that's tough to stash. I think it's easier to stash in the NFFC where you have like nine bench spots than say like your home league where you might have five or six. I think it's a little trickier there. Uh, we, he's had like one reception. He had another th another long touchdown call back due to penalty, but we don't have a statistic statistical case for Williams yet. This is all what might be, but we've seen that tremendous ability, that upside. We saw him drafted so early last year in the draft with a torn ACL, knowing that he was going to miss most of the year, and they still drafted him that high. Uh, I think there is this is a leap of faith argument, but, man, I really want this second half of Jamison Williams. I, I do. I have not found myself taking him anywhere. I, I actually think there's more downside than upside here. I, okay. To me, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if the six-game suspension is being 
properly factored in for a guy who has exactly one NFL catch, as you mentioned, uh, is coming off of a torn ACL last year. I mean, within the last week, his own head coach was like, yeah, he needs to learn how to catch more. Uh, that that's a bit, a bit of a problem for me. Like I, I, I get the upside, but he's, he's still, I mean, he's so, so slight. I mean, even, even at Alabama, mm-hmm. when he was tearing it up, it's like every time he gets hit, you're like, geez, this guy, you know, he looks like he weighs 160 pounds. Um, I, I just think you're, you're asking a lot for a guy who barely played as a rookie, you know, came in at the one long touchdown. I think a lot of people are, are clinging to that. You know, he's now going through a full camp, which is big. You didn't get that last year, but you go through camp and then you have to miss a month and a half. You got to kind of come in on the fly. We'll see where the team is. At that point, I mean, they start, I think they play KC in Seattle the first two weeks. So, I mean, there, there's a, a, a route here in which Detroit, you know, stumbles out of the gate like last year. And you're coming back into, you know, a situation where you, know, you feel like you have to get up to speed right away. Uh, so I, I worry about, about Jamison Williams returning value. I know you're, you're getting somewhat of a discount. He's going around pick 100, but six games is a lot of games, man. I mean, that's, that's a third of the season for, you know, a guy who we, we don't know. He's not proven that he can stay healthy, right? I mean, if he gets hurt on top of that, you know, and then at that point, you're you're looking at like best case is he plays seven or eight games. So um, to, to me, I, I just don't want to take somebody who I know for sure is already out for you know over a third of the season. And that's fair. And and that's just that has a lot to do with your roster construction. Like I'm not drafting Brees Hall for the similar reasons. Right. Sure. Um, at least not at price. So I mean, we all have our things. I I view him at Williams as he's not hurt now. I think that is in the rear view mirror. That's the way I'm viewing okay. that. So I'm, I'm not viewing that as a necessarily like in a heightened risk. I think he's got yeah. the same risk as any other NFL player in getting hurt at this point in time. Whereas Hall is coming back from something, uh, you know, and a far more recent injury. And that's the way I look at it. Uh, as far as the size goes, I mean, we saw, let's look at his college teammate, Devontae Smith. A lot of people said the same thing. And he's, yeah. he's been durable enough to make it through so far through the ring or so far is now getting drafted in the third round. Whether you're there for that is a debatable is, is a point for debate. I know I, not everybody I is. Smith. Yeah. So, but I, yeah. So, I mean, but the thing is, I mean, that was, that was an argument against Smith. I, if, you know, sure. I think Williams can overcome that. So, I, but I get it. And there are different ways to uh, bake a cake. I think I just, I want a little Jameson Williams as one of the okay. ingredients in my cake. That's all. Uh, Michael Thomas, on the other hand, I'm not so sure. I mean, this is a guy who could be a first, yeah, a top 15 wide receiver still. It is possible. He once was the w, he was the wide receiver one, but he's played 10 games the last three years. And they said he's he's working his way back right now. Obviously, all types you know, and of injuries have really ruined his seasons. Uh, new quarterback, though, I think actually, you know, this quarterback is better than last year's quarterback for him. Uh, in the case of going with Derek Carr, so over Andy Dalton or, uh, you know, or, any, or a cast of thousands of others. Uh, I think we see less Taysom Hill at, at QB. I think that probably works in his favor a little bit, but I haven't clicked his name just once yet. No, me neither, man. I, I'm out. I'm out at this point. It's been too long. You mentioned it 10 games in the last three years. Uh, you know, I, I think if you if you want to make the counter argument, it's like before he got hurt yet again last year, he actually looked pretty good. We had three touchdowns yep. in the first two weeks. Uh, and I, I believe he got all three of the Jameis games before uh, before they switched over and kind of became this rotating Andy Dalton door. Uh, right. So I, I'm with you that it, it, if he could stay healthy and he's you could argue that Michael Thomas is like the most injury prone player at any skill position in the NFL right now. Like we're, we're in that zone when you play 10 games over three years. Uh, there's no other way to really look at this. Um, right. You know, if he can stay healthy, then, yeah, there's a lot to like here. I think this is a, a better offense, a better quarterback for him. Uh, a guy who's played with multiple quarterbacks throughout his career has found ways to make it work. Um, and, and, you know, again, last year still gave us a glimpse that, okay, he can, he can be productive. He's probably never going to be anywhere close to the guy who was, you know, bringing in 1,700 yards and uh, you know, almost 200 targets in 2019. But he, he can still be the number two guy in an offense that, that desperately needs him to be that if they want to reach their ceiling. But, um, you know, to me, this is just way, way too much uh, of, of an injury downside here. Uh, I, I just, I, I haven't really even considered it. So those two guys are in the, you know, 47 and 49 range. Uh, you're not inter- really interested in either of them. So let me give you some others around him and see who you'd pivot okay. to instead. If you need a wide receiver, uh, we'll go, we'll start a little bit above. Uh, we'll start like you know, wide receiver. 43 is Brandon cooks uh, mm-hmm. around pick 92. Any interest there? I, I would rather have Brandon Cooks than Michael Thomas. Yeah, I mean, number two okay. off or number two receiver in Dallas. Uh, you know, a guy who's obviously bounced around a ton as has been banged up, but not nearly to the degree of Michael Thomas. Uh, I would I would lean that direction. Yeah, I think you're, you're looking at a higher floor there. 
Yeah, I'll just rip. Well, whip, better yet, I'm going to whip through a few names here and you can tell me what stands out. 44 is Quentin Johnston. 45, Kadarius Tony. 46, Zay Flowers. 48, Sky Moore. Just had a positive note, saw about him coming across that uh, Twitter today. Juju Smith Schuster is at 50. Romeo Dubs at 51. OBJ, 52. Jacoby Myers is wide receiver, 53. Uh, in that range, who jumps out to you, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, now we're getting into the range where it's like, oh, maybe I would take Michael Thomas over yeah. some of these guys. <laughs> um, I like I've always been a Juju defender. Uh, didn't really pay off for me last year. I, I saw some reports out of Pat's camp over the weekend that it looks like they have nothing close to a number one receiver on this roster. But I, I technically think Juju's gonna be that guy, and that that buys you some upside if you can stay healthy, you know, even if it's uh, even even if he's you know underqualified for that role, you, you know, being the number one guy in an NFL offense means something. Uh, so I, I would, I, he's probably the one that jumps out the most in that group. I'm not, I'm not ready to trust Sky more yet. Uh, I, it ho- I hope it works out for him. I mean, he's in the best possible spot to do it with Patrick Mahomes and Kansas city. They, they have a reasonable draft investment in him. So I, I don't think after a disappointing rookie year, they're going to kick him to the curb by any means, but uh, we've also heard, you know, positive things about Canary's Tony when he's healthy and Rasheed Rice when he's healthy. And, you know, this is like a seven wide receiver, group right now and probably only three of those guys are going to end up being relevant Uh, obviously Justin Ross has been a buzzy name over the last week as well his ADP is on the rise so um, you know I I, I don't read too much into it when it comes to Sky Moore because I I think this offense and and Patrick Mahomes can make pretty much any of these guys look good and this is why I'm interested in Williams at this range because I don't think there's a whole lot of impediment to him getting a role once he comes back from the suspension that he you know and the thing is we don't you're not drafting a season long number when you're drafting this range, you're looking for guys that you can start. Um, And I feel like Williams could be that guy that you could start. Whereas some of these other guys are just like bi-week fill-ins or like, sure. Oh God, I lost my guy. Maybe I'll have to turn to him sort of thing. Uh, Whereas I think Williams is a guy that could end up being like a mainstay for your uh, rosters. That's why I like drafting him in this. Okay. Yeah, no, totally fair. I mean, I think once you talk through the names that are going in that range, it it makes more sense. I mean, it's hard yeah. to argue that it's hard to argue that Jameson Williams doesn't have more upside if things break right than than most of these other players. You know, like I I always love like grabbing Tyler Boyd in this range. I know he's going a little bit lower this year, um, sure. but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Tyler Boyd has a higher ceiling than Jameson Williams for the last ten weeks of the season. There, there's no way. Uh, the the last thing I'll say about Williams is I, I just I want to see more than. Yeah, everything everybody says, you know, he's this great deep threat, and I hope he is, and I think he will be. I want to see more than that, right? The one sure, catch we've seen of him was like a 50-yard bomb. You know, it's like, can he can he really give you anything if he's not running a go route down the field? Because you know, in theory, you know, you feel like that's that's a huge weapon, but you're not going to be hitting those every single week. Yeah, you got to be. Can, can he be trusted to get that first down? You know, that right. that's where because that's where you know it's that that bread and butter that you build off. Can he do the whole route tree? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I get it there. You don't want James Trapp. You want someone that actually does everything. So uh, yeah, there, there you go. Exactly. Uh, for you fantasy football players out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current league? Bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the fantasy, the, the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming from another service, not a problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax commissioner tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league. You want to hit that week 17 match against the Bengals and the Chiefs? Go for it. Plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We're talking boomer bust players. We're on to our final position, tight end. Uh, we got a couple guys. You and I agree. We have a center square here. This is like the ultimate boomer bust player, yeah. Kyle Pitts. 
Yeah, let's go right into Pitts. I mean, I think we it would be really weird if we did this and just like ignored Kyle Pitts because it's too obvious. But yeah, yep. I mean, it's it's the ultimate boomer bust, right? I, I think we have a, an all-time tight end prospect, a prospect who, as a rookie, showed plenty of glimpses and you know kind of delivered it. I think on that promise, and then had one of the most disappointing follow-ups uh, that any fantasy player has had in year two in a long time, and it ended with an injury. It was just kind of everything went wrong uh, for Kyle Pitts last season. Even as, you know, it's not like the Falcons had a disaster season, right? I mean, they were in the playoff hunt, like, for the final two, three weeks of the season. It, the offense just kind of seemingly decided that Kyle Pitts was not going to be all that important. Uh, I, I would hope that they, you know, kind of learn that lesson and, and get him more involved. Uh, but, you know, the the downside here is, you know, this, this is a, a run-heavy team that drafted one of the best running prospects in recent memory. I don't think they're going to get away from that anytime soon. They have another big-time target in Drake London in this passing game and Kyle Pitts got hurt before Desmond Ritter took over. So I think it's fair to question what kind of connection that he has with the new starting quarterback. Yeah. When healthy last year, before the injury, he was like spending 30% of the snaps off the field uh, in, in five of his 10 games last year. Uh, and that's just kind of the Arthur Smith offense. That's one of the issues. Uh, and now they have Johnny Smith. So maybe they have someone that can be take care of some blocking issues. Maybe it just means though, that Pitts is more you know efficient with the snaps he gets possibly. Uh, I think the big question though, is Desmond Ritter capable of supporting enough pa uh, passing for both Pitts and uh, of course, Drake London to, uh, to produce. That's why I don't have a whole lot of Drake London either for that matter. Cause I have mm -hmm. some concerns about that. Uh, notice there are no other wide receivers that get drafted from the Falcons. It's really kind of crazy. Uh, they, yeah. they just, it, it's really this this big three plus, you know, Cordero Patterson still exists. I mean, that's still a guy that is a wide receiver in running back clothing. Um, yep. that, that's also a kind of a problem there for this for this offense. And just that that huge commitment to the run. You know, Tyler Algier is going to get some carries as well. He's he's not going to completely go away. Um, you just know how committed they are to running the ball. Yeah, I mean, the more we talk about this, it's it's like, you know, what what is the boom? case for Kyle Pitts like if things go really well it's like does he really have like tight end two upside even because I, I just feel like in this offense specifically like even if they make a point to use him better um you know it's like as a rookie you know, we felt really good about him he had over mm -hmm. a thousand yards he only had one touchdown like I, I don't know if that's gonna change uh you know with the way that this offense operates like I obviously they know the talent that they have in Kyle Pitts it, it's, it's not like it was a, a different regime um you know that that you know kind of brought him in like I I, I think they understand what they have in him they've just made a conscious decision, you know, before he got hurt last year to not use him in, in, in the ways that he's best utilized. It's a really strange dichotomy. Like, I, I don't really remember a situation like this with another player in the past. And, you know, I, I think if we get another year like last year where even if Pitts is healthy and he just kind of doesn't look like that same guy, I, I, I think this could become, you know, somewhat untenable, at least from Pitts' side. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Um, to that point, you, you listed another tight end that we're talking about, Boomer Bust in uh darren waller and i'm taking waller over pits and I, I don't really have a whole lot a whole lot of reservation in doing so i might take dallas goddard over pits as well and i i think i draw the line at evan ingram i i contract notwithstanding i i have some doubts that the volume will be there especially with a, a better wide receiver core this year uh but goddard versus pits waller versus pits i think i take both those guys over pits well, when it comes to Ingram, I don't know if it changes your mind that uh, I read this morning, he said that he thinks he and Trevor Lawrence could be the next Kelsey and Mahomes. Oh, so well, some, there some, you go. Something to consider there uh, before you you pass on Evan Ingram. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Darren Waller surpassed Kyle Pitts in ADP in the last week, which is interesting. That was not the case, you know, through July and, and even early August, but he's, he's now inched about two picks ahead of him. And, you know, there really just hasn't been much Kyle Pitts news, good or bad. Uh, you know, the last note that we have on him is that he was running routes at camp. That's good. He's a tight end. We, we need him to be running some routes as he comes back from that knee injury. But, you know, we're getting a lot of positive news on Darren Waller. He looks great. Uh, you know, obviously that's an offense that needs him, right? Like if Kyle Pitts was traded to the Giants this offseason, I think we'd be ecstatic. Like that's a team that absolutely needs an infusion of talent uh, at, at any of the pass catching spots. And, right. you know, Darren Waller, I, I think it's kind of set up to be that perfect guy. So obviously you have, you have some, some questions about Darren Waller's health. That's, that's always been an issue. Uh, but if we're trying to put that aside, I think there is a, a big time uh, boom potential for Darren Waller. And, you know, I, I think the, the bus side of things of course is the injuries and maybe it's just some general 
regression from this Giants offense that, you know, the first nine, 10 games of last year, it felt like they were getting every break. Yeah. I mean, the news has been so good on Waller that I almost feel like we kind of forget how much of a, how frustrating he was last year. You know, it's just because he's been drawing rave reviews, uncoverable favorite target. You know, look at those Giants receivers. None of them stand out. And, you know, we've seen beast mode Waller. He, he, he can be amazing. 2020 was an incredible year. Kind of forget the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, last year it almost just felt like a, a complete incomplete grade. Um, you know, he, mm-hmm. he played in more games than I thought actually, but uh, you know, had, had a couple decent games early on, but never really looked like himself. I mean, I think if you're, if you're looking at the upside, you're clinging to those 2019 and 2020 seasons. And uh, again, I, I think he, like the giants are not an exciting team by any means, really outside of Saquon Barkley. He's like the only exciting player on this roster, but th- there is no team in the league. Uh, no decent team, I should say, that needed Darren Waller more than the Giants do. So I, I think they're, I think they're going to utilize him. Like I think it's a really good sign for him specifically. Maybe not for the Giants as a team, but you know they had they had I thought the worst receiving core in the entire league last season, and like didn't really do anything to address it. Like Darren Waller is the solution for this team. Like I, I think as long as yep. he's healthy, he's going to see a huge huge workload. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I like him better than Hawkinson. I think I. I think Waller versus Kittle is an interesting debate because Kittle has his own health issues, quarterback yep. concern. Um, so pro- perhaps a volume concern there as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm good with that. Uh, I, I I'm good with Waller on some of my teams. I, he might actually graduate into that area where I'm willing, he might be a novelty luxury tight end that I'm willing to draft. Uh, and mm-hmm. where like pits in that range, I almost, I'd almost rather just wait and get like Najoku later or get Ingram later or something of that nature. I mean, you could get Dallas Goddard half a round later. You could get Evan Ingram, you know, multiple rounds later. Uh, and I'm with you on Hawkinson, by the way, like fine player, just not, not excited about him at all. Definitely not taking yep. him inside the top 40. Uh, yeah. I would rather rate, wait, you know, a round and a half and take Kittle or Waller there. No question. Yeah. So oh, there you go. Any other boomer bus players we want to talk about for signing off here? I think the only other names I had on my list, um, you know, George Pickens, I think at receiver is talent wise. Obviously there's, there's some boot potential there. Uh, Will he be held back by, by the constraints of Kenny Pickett and that offense and, you know, being, being next to a a target hog, Deontay Johnson, Uh, Michael Pittman was on my, my honorable mention as well. I think he's tied at the hip to uh, Anthony Richardson. You know, I think if, if he looks like looks the part as a rookie, then I think Michael Pittman could be in for a bounce back. And, and then I don't, I don't know how I feel about these guys. They're on like the honorable, honorable mention, but Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, you know, two really, really good receivers. Like Mike Evans is on a borderline hall of fame trajectory. And it, it just kind of feels like we're kicking both these guys to the curb. Oh, hundred percent agree. I, I just talked about Evans as a guy I happily draft as my wide receiver three or even a flex play. And he could be a top 20 wide receiver. No problem. Uh, he was, and he literally was a league winner in week 17 last year. Uh, you know, he's got that potential, obviously the quarterback in the offensive line situation in Tampa is a big problem, but he's not going to, he's not getting sent off to the old folks farm here. He's still somebody who I think contribute quite a bit. And last year's low touchdown number was a bit of an anomaly. Uh, so yeah, I'm all aboard Evans, especially at price. Yeah, that's the thing. I think I think the definition of a boom for Mike Evans is much different in 2023 than it was last year, two years ago, five sure. years ago, and really at any point in his career. Like he, I, I don't think he has like you know top ten receiver upside anymore. That's just not in the cards with with what's going on at quarterback down there. But yeah, I think it's reached the point where he's become really underrated. Uh, like last year, even even you know they threw the ball a ton, and I think that ended up propping up Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to some degree. Godwin especially in PPR leagues, but. I mean, it felt like Mike Evans had just a disastrous year from start to finish, right? Like you're mm-hmm. just like, oh my God, I got to start him again. He had over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns in like his worst case scenario year. And yep. yes, I, I know, I know that's Tom Brady, and you're going, you're going from that to Kyle Trask and or Baker Mayfield, and, and that really can't be be stated enough. But um, I mean, honestly, with if, if you just did like a blind test, like it, it felt like Mike Evans had like 600 yards last year, right? Right. Uh, and because, because there were so many disappearing games, there was the high yeah. profile drop against Carolina. You get it. Same time. I think I'm on board again. Uh, get me back yeah. in the put. At cost, uh, I'm I'm back in. Yep. All right. Very good. We're, we're going to end with agreement. I like it there. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Circa and Fantrax for sponsoring Joe and Jake. will be with you again tomorrow, every Tuesday on the Rotowire fantasy football podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.